cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to Stuff Central here on Cliff Central. My name is Craig Wilson. I'm the contributing editor at Stuff Magazine. In studio with me today, I have uh, Brett Fenter, who's the online editor of Stuff Magazine. And we've got a special guest coming up later. We've got uh, Brian Andrews in studio come to talk to us about the new Raspberry Pi. So we're going to start off this week, as we usually do, with some of the tech news coming out. Uh, there's rather a lot to talk about, in part because there's a huge tech event underway in Berlin, Germany at the moment, called IFA. Um, so this is one of the big events every year that people take the opportunity to uh, announce uh, some of the new products they're bringing to market and some of the things we can expect in coming months. And there have been a lot of announcements in recent days. Uh, some of the big ones are from two of the huge uh, smartphone manufacturers, namely Samsung and Sony. So Samsung yesterday, uh, or it was yesterday or the day before, uh, announced some of their new devices, including the new Galaxy Note 4. Now, you'll know the Note 4 as a... Uh, the, what they call a phablet, right? This is a very large format uh, phone. And the Samsung uh, Note range stands out because of its stylus. Um, so you can actually sort of draw and sketch and write on the screen. Samsung also announced another device, uh, the Note Edge, which has a, a screen that wraps around onto one side of the screen um, so that you can have a sort of row of icons or, or other information down the side of it. They've said this is going to be a boon for developers and, and let them play a bit more with the sort of standard smartphone format. Um, they've also announced the new smartwatch. This is the Gear S. Uh, the first two smartwatches I wasn't particularly impressed with. Uh, battery life was terrible. Functionality wasn't great. Uh, Brett, did you get to play with any of the early smartwatches? What did you think of them? I got to play with the very first one, um, and it had it had some uh, severe issues. Mostly the battery life, I think, was was the was the biggest problem with the the uh, the Galaxy Gear. Right. I mean, if you're going to wear this thing, you you don't want it to last for half a day. I mean, this really needs to go for a number of days. More like the sort of Fitness trackers like Fitbit and this sort of thing, you know, you want to have to charge it maybe once a week, right? Yeah, um, but uh, the the battery size, uh, based on how thick the, the watch actually was, it, it should have lasted at least a day. They seem to have been working on it, various software updates, uh, the new phone refreshes. We have, mm-hmm. I mean, not phone, the new watch refreshes. Um, uh, it just remains to be seen whether the, the latest one is going to be uh, any better than the previous. And in terms of functionality, I mean, do we really want to be taking calls by holding our wrists to our faces and talking to them? Maybe we do, actually. If yeah. you look at uh, Google's Android Wear lineup, uh, Motorola's got stuff coming, um, LG's got stuff coming, there's that uh, Withing smartwatch uh, designed by uh, the Activite, I think it's called. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, 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 getting, they're getting to look more like a watch, but um, with more technological features. Um, but I guess maybe it's something that we just need to get used to, right? I mean, at first... When people had mobile phones and we'd hear them in supermarkets uh, loudly talking to their family or uh, pretending to talk to their stockbroker, um, you know, this was something that we had to adjust to. Now, of course, this seems completely normal and it's not surprising at all when people are on their phones at all the, all the time. So perhaps talking into our wrist uh, is merely something we have to adjust to. Um, yeah, actually, I think, I think you're going to see, see it happening a lot more. It's going to streamline a bit. Sure. Um, probably you're going to have some sort of a headset arrangement and it's going to be a permanent a uh, permanent fixture. I mean, they're putting SIM cards into watches now so that you don't need to connect to a phone. That's true, um, yeah. And like the latest uh, Android Wear updates are enabling more um, sort of phoneless uh, functionality on all of these devices. Right, right. And that's um, part of the challenge because at the moment, if you want to buy one, you need to spend sort of eight to 10,000 Rand on the latest smartphone and then, uh, you know, half that uh, or a similar amount depending on the smartwatch. Um, and the one is, is too, I think, dependent on the other. I know that the Samsung, uh, the, this Gear S, they've 
also said that there's a full QWERTY keyboard. This is a sort of two-inch display on a, a curved uh, AMOLED display. Um, I'm not sure that I want to type messages on my wrist either, mostly because I'm used to using two thumbs, uh, which I think has got to be at least twice as efficient as using one. Yeah, I don't know. Once they come out with like a holographic keyboard that projects onto your wrist and you can just you know type on skin, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a bit happier about that arrangement. Sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, that day is coming. Sure. They've still got a way to go, though, yeah. Brian, I wanted to uh, bring you in here just to ask you. I see that you're wearing a Pebble. Yeah. For those uh, people listening who don't know what the Pebble is, the Pebble smartwatch uh, was a crowdfunded uh, smartwatch. It was one of the early smartwatches to come out. Um, I'm just curious. Well, you know, do you get a lot of use out of it? What sort of things do you uh, do you find it helpful for? I just I find it quite helpful just in terms of really, I mean, text messages, meeting reminders, and the fact that my phone's actually ringing. Sure. Um, most of the time, I actually have my phone on silent, uh, not even on vibrate. So I just use my watch to actually pick up whether the phone's actually ringing or not. Right, and get the notifications yeah. on it that way. Yeah. And, of course, these things do actually tell the time, too, which is quite nice. I, uh, I haven't worn a watch in years myself, smart or otherwise, uh, simply because there are clocks all over the place, right? I have a clock in my car. I have a clock on my laptop. I have it on my phone. It just, it, to me, in, in many ways, traditional watches have become... Uh, sort of vanity objects, you know, a, a watch is meant to be pretty and, and so on. But I actually was wearing the uh, the TomTom uh, sports watch that uh, we spoke about on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it took a few days before I remembered that I could actually look at my wrist again to look at the time. Half the time I would still get my phone out just out of habit, which is a little bizarre. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, these the smart devices have a long way to go. One of the things that's interesting with Samsung, of course, is that they seem to have no fear just throwing money at different form factors, different products, and trying to see what's going to stick in the market. Um, you know, Apple, meanwhile, for example, has you know held out on getting involved in this game. We're going to have to wait and see next week on September 9th whether there is the uh, announcement of the greatly anticipated and much rumored iWatch. Brett, you're looking amused here. Uh, do you think uh, do you think this is actually going to come to fruition? I'll be quite honest. I have no idea. Um, but it's because. When, when it comes to Apple rumors, there have been a couple that have been floating around for, for more than a year. We were expecting to see stuff um, at last year's event, um, an oversized phone, a possible smartwatch, sure. and there was just nothing. And um, like Apple likes their secrets, but uh, if, 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 it us- if it goes the way it usually does, we'll know the morning before uh, the event takes place. Just right. Leaks will happen everywhere. Indeed, and we'll know pretty much well, exactly what's leaks. coming. Yes, yes. Those are leaks and inverted commas for those of you listening. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, these, this sort of category of device has a long way to go. One of the other interesting devices announced by Samsung was the Gear VR headset. So this is a virtual reality headset. Basically it looks like a large pair of scuba goggles, uh, that are opaque that you wear over your head. And, um, as you sort of turn your head and move around, a range of sensors uh, take this data and then render a virtual world in the, the sort of um, field of view. Um, I'm not sure that I want a VR headset, but maybe that's because I'm not that much of a gamer. Brett, what do you think some of the uses are you know, for these? Well, um, Samsung's VR headset was developed in conjunction with Oculus Rift, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that's o- right, it was, yeah. And Oculus Rift was also a crowdfunded project. It was bought by Apple for an obscene, I mean, not by Apple, by Facebook, sorry, for an obscene amount of money a little while ago. So... Uh, somebody wants VR to take off in a big way. Sure. Um, but if, you, if you're not that keen on, you know, spending all this money on Samsung's one, you know Google's got a cardboard one that you can use right now. <laughs> yes, yes, I've um, seen that. You just, you just sort of download the, the schematics, fold it up. And, and do you uh, pop a smartphone in it? Yeah, any smartphone, as long as it's uh, a 
I think it's over five inches. Okay. Um, you yeah. just slots in. They've got. Um, you can take a, a Facebook tour. I mean, a street view, street view tour, that sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, and a couple of YouTube um, experiments on the go as well for it. Okay. Well, I mean, again, we've just seen, you know, Samsung, part of it, I think, is the fact that Samsung do so much of their own manufacturing that they can really afford to take these sort of chances and test the waters with new products in ways that perhaps the likes of Apple, who obviously, you know, outsource all of the manufacture, um, can't or don't wish to. Um, Apple, I guess, also likes to sit back and see what takes before it then tries to, uh, at least in its own mind, uh, improve it or perfect it. Right. I mean, Apple didn't build the first MP3 players. They didn't build the first smartphones and they didn't build the first tablets. They just built them in formats and, and, you know, with software that made them more usable, perhaps, than many of their uh, precursors. That's true. Um, but like Samsung seems to be a little bit scattered these days, uh, if you look at their releases. But the Oculus, the Oculus Rift VR headset, I haven't, I haven't seen one in action yet. But uh, the fact that the whole thing empowers through your smartphone, uh, the Galaxy Note 4 only at the moment. That's right. Yeah. Um, means, means it's going to be a very interesting product. It just remains to be seen, again, what uh, what is actually done with it. Because only Samsung has mm. this at the moment. Uh, if, if other people jump on board, it'll take off. Well, that's what excites me about this, too, is what it means for the developer community and the, the innovative uses that people will find for these things that the rest of us may not have even considered. And, in fact, that the device manufacturers themselves may not have considered uh, before the time. Anyway, um, in terms of other news, there was also some, some news coming out of Sony this week. Uh, Sony announced a whole new range, uh, the Xperia Z3 range. And this includes a, a smartphone like their recent uh, Xperia handsets with a 5.2-inch display, also a compact model with a 4.6-inch display, and what they're calling the Tablet Compact, which is an 8-inch tablet. Now, my favorite thing about these new Sony devices is that all of them are waterproof, at least the, all of these ones, this, these in the Xperia Z3 range. There's also a, a new Sony E3, which is a mid-range handset that isn't waterproof. But this, these sorts of little differences, I think, are really giving Samsung a, a real run for their money. You know, if two years ago, if you'd asked us, who, you know, which Android phone do you buy? The answer was Samsung. These days, that just doesn't seem to be the case. Um, you know, we've got really strong competition coming out from HTC with their new One M8, um, or they're not so new anymore, I guess, but fairly recent. Um, mm-hmm. the Sony models, um, you know, I mean, Brett, do you have a favorite? Also, of course, there's, there's LG and the G3s. Um, my current favorite at the moment is probably LG's phones. Um, but Samsung is trying. I mean, they're, they're, they're pushing the, the waterproof, um, uh, the waterproof features that, uh, Sony started off. Sure. But in, in terms of like pure build quality, I've seen Sony, Sony's phones are probably like right up at the top, um, in the Android lineup. That's right. Actually, I mean, I got to handle them this morning, and they're just beautiful devices. They actually reminded me a little of the iPhone 4S, that same sort of metal trim around the edge uh, and just a you know big pane of glass on the front and very plain on the back. Brian, what, what sort of smartphone do you use? Uh, I'm an Apple man. Uh, okay. I've got an iPhone, yeah. Right, through and through. And I see you've got an iPad here as well. Are you uh, pretty locked into the Apple ecosystem? Uh, yeah, I enjoy the um, Apple ecosystem. Um, certainly personally. Work-wise, unfortunately not. Oh, right, right. <laughs> right. Well, this is the thing. And obviously, we've seen Apple tie up with IBM recently to, to bring more uh, enterprise-specific applications to market. And there's also these rumors now of uh, a, a 12-inch iPad, perhaps aimed at the same sort of market that Microsoft wants to woo with their um, uh, Surface Pro tablets. Um, Brett, you, you look like you've got uh, got some thoughts on this. Well, um, I don't really see how much of a change... Uh Apple's enterprise things is, is, is going to 
have on the market, um, how, how different things are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly I'm a, I'm a little bit skeptical about the tablet. Again, it's the uh, uh, like a 12-inch tablet, something that we've always heard about, just never seen. Sure. Um, uh, when, anything, anytime any, anybody mentions anything about Apple, uh, I'll usually believe it when I see it. Well, you also have to ask how much of a dedicated play they need to make in that sort of space because what we've seen a lot is that Apple devices have been pushed into enterprise from the top down, right? You've got execs coming in saying, I want my iPad to work. I want to be able to get my mail on it. Uh, hands it over to the IT department and says, make it work. Um, you know, there's been a lot of push for that. So we have seen greater support for Apple devices in the sort of enterprise market anyway. Um, I just think it's interesting that they've made such a strong play at this. And of course, that they've uh, partnered with IBM, who, if we think back uh, two decades, there was an entire ad campaign taking a dig at IBM, the sort of Think Different campaign and so on, comparing IBM to uh, the sort of big brother of George Orwell's 1984. And, you know, fast forward two or three decades, and now um, Apple and IBM are actually cozying up again. It's, uh, it's just funny to see how these things shift, and I guess this is the nature of the tech industry is how quickly these things can, uh, can change. Actually, I think there might even be a marriage between uh, those two companies. Between the two of them. Um, but on a very, very specific level, there's um, uh, Apple Siri. Yep. And uh, IBM has Watson. That's that, right. Yeah, the Watson supercomputer that's sort of looking to do um, sort of straight responses so you can ask things in natural language. This, of course, uh, IBM Watson was the machine that uh, famously beat human contestants on the American game show Jeopardy. Uh, it's um, also been to medical school. It's uh, doing customer service. That's right, yeah. Um, and the, the, part of their plan, IBM's plan, is actually to scale it down into a, a smartphone uh, form factor. So maybe that's why they've joined up. Yeah, sure. We'll have to wait and see. We'll be back shortly. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, give us a call on 0861 You can also connect with us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat ID at cliffcentral.
going to the slide in Baby, I'm a boss, I'm talking George Steinbrenner, Panamera, Yogi Berra, my two-seater, Derek Jeter, got more stripes than all these baby, baby, ballin' in the beamer, collar on my polo, kisses on my necklace, all my diamonds watching, now my watch is getting jealous, smoking on the bit, my autograph, LeBron's, yeah, she tell me I'm the one, that's when I only want one And we're back. This is Stuff Central, brought to you by Cliff Central, uh, talking tech, gadgets, and all things related every Thursday afternoon. I'm Craig Wilson, and with me in studio, I have uh, Brett Fenter and Brian Andrews. Um, well, we were talking briefly about some of the uh, IFA news that was coming out this week and about some of the new devices from Sony. One of the things that really interested me at the launch event this morning, which took place out at the uh, uh, Nyrox Sculpture Garden out at the Cradle of Humankind, was... The ability with these new, uh, this new range of phones and tablets to tie in with the PlayStation, um, uh, the PlayStation 4 console. And, um, what you can actually do with this is you can uh, continue the gaming from, move your, move it from your television straight onto your smartphone or tablet. Um, they basically got a little cradle that connects to the PlayStation controller and that then holds the screen above it. And the idea is that, you know, if the TV needed to be freed up for someone else, um, or you wanted to continue uh, playing in bed or something similar, you can move this straight over to another device and and move over. Um, Brett was talking to me about this during the break and pointed out that this only works on your home Wi-Fi network, so you, you're not going to be able to, to play um, uh, Need for Speed uh, on an internet connection from the office. But um, it's these sorts of tie-ins that I think give companies like Sony and Samsung such a huge advantage, precisely because there's so many different product categories in which they play that they can find novel and innovative ways for their various devices to to talk to one another and in doing so i guess give consumers added value for uh for a single purchase but um uh, aside from the this sort of gaming the big news here of course today in south africa is the coming release of the xbox one now uh, brett i know you've been fortunate enough to actually have one uh, at home for a week or so um what are your initial impressions of it lots of downloading lots and lots of downloading um the the xbox one is a lot more uh, internet dependent from what I've seen than the um, PlayStation 4 console is. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you boot it up, I mean, with both consoles, you boot them up for the first time, they have to connect to the internet, um, they have to download updates, but um, Sony seems to have streamlined, streamlined the process with their console. Um, Microsoft's one, it's a little bit more laborious. Sure. Um, well, I guess especially for us, because... It's very different if you're in, in a market like uh, Europe or the U.S. Or, or Southeast Asia where Internet connectivity is not really a problem. But, you know, for, for South African consumers, uh, even those who are in the sort of market to buy these sorts of consoles, you still need a fairly decent Internet connection to get the, the full experience, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, to be fair, the guys who uh, – because there are a few of us here in Joburg and a couple in Cape Town. The guys who got the uh, early consoles to, to play with and review – um, we're still using the, the UK download 
for updates and things. As far as I'm aware, Microsoft South Africa is going to be making a plan for locals so that the uh, initial update is smaller for people buying the console here. Um, yeah. And they're also going to be giving out a couple of the bigger patches on a disc um, for uh, some of the launch games, just so that you don't have to, you know, try and uh, download 30 gigs for for a single uh, for for two games actually total 30 gigs. Sure. Um, yeah. But as far as a, as far as um, the console itself goes, it's it's fantastic if you like Windows 8. Um, right, oh, right, right. So we're looking at a very similar interface. Uh, very similar interface, and they talk to each other quite well. If you've got like uh, the Smart Glass app um, attached to, uh, installed on your Windows tablet, mm-hmm. um, or even on an Android phone, really, um, you can connect to the Xbox One. Now they've got one of their launch games is called Rise, mm-hmm. um, Son of Rome. It's a this big Roman epic, um, you know, blood, severed limbs, and um, a bit of a story attached to it. But if you if you play it with the Smart Glass app, when you enter a new area in the game, mm-hmm. um, you can actually check the app on your tablet, and it'll actually give you um, historical background on um, on the area that you're playing in, um, right. on the sites that you're seeing, on the uniforms that you're seeing, on the like the, the enemy types, all all historical. Right. Um, so bringing the sort of second screen experience that the television content producers have been trying to encourage people to to take up, uh, bringing back now to to the world of gaming. Yeah, um, they're, they're also doing something similar. We haven't had a chance to test it yet because not all of the features are live in South Africa. Sure. And they won't be until the 23rd of September. Um, but they, they were going to do something similar with like, uh, the, like Game of Thrones. If you were streaming that over Netflix overseas, for example, um, Smart Class would give you background on the episodes, uh, snippets from the book, um, bits that might be missing. That, that, that was their, their original stated aim when they, when they announced the Xbox One in 2012 at E3. Mm. Um, and uh, from what I've heard, it works well. I don't know how it works here just yet. We don't really have the streaming. Uh, we, there's no real way for us to connect everything together just yet. Sure. Uh, we'll know more uh, at the end of the month. And, I mean, if you had to choose, you've, you obviously uh, you are our uh, resident gaming expert or fundy or fanatic, depending who you speak to. Um, if you had to choose, if you were buying either an Xbox or a PlayStation, uh, which do you think it would be? Or is that Ooh. an impossible to answer sort of? Uh, it's it's not impossible to answer. Like as far as um, gaming goes, um, I usually base my decision on the controller. Um, okay. Uh, because the games are quite similar, um, I base my de- decision on the controller, and the Xbox One has the best controller. Okay. Um, but South Africa historically has always been Sony country um, as far as game consoles go. Mm, indeed, that um, seems the stats seem to support that. Yeah, and um, they, there's no there's no question that they have the the streamlined uh, situation. Like you put in a game on the Xbox One, and it's about five minutes before you can play. You put in a game on the uh, PS4, it's about ninety seconds before you can play, if that, and right. it'll download your apt- updates while you're playing. If right. uh, if the Xbox One detects an update. You have to wait until it's done before you can uh, continue your game. Right, and it's interesting because these seem to be some of those sort of market differences we were talking about. They're yeah. the sorts of glitches or, or niggling annoyances that you wouldn't notice uh, perhaps in other markets, but that we have to be aware of just given our, uh, the state of our connectivity. Brian, tell me, uh, do, you, do you game at all? Do you have any preferences in this uh, debate? <laughs> um, I used to do a lot of gaming. Uh, I, I try and avoid it. Right. Uh, I just find it too addictive, and uh, unfortunately, there's there's so many other things that I've got to get get to as well. So, sure. and but, were you a, were you a PC gamer or a console gamer? Uh, PC gamer, uh, and then going back to some very very old consoles. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually found uh, I'm busy. Uh, I'm I'm preparing to move house, and I was doing some clearing out the other day, and I found an original Game Boy. 
which like so many the, of them. The monochrome. Course, yeah, the monochrome oh, wow. one. Uh, it's like so many, it's got the sort of two black lines down the left-hand side of the screen uh, that so many of them developed over the years. But uh, otherwise, still in great in great nick, and I put some batteries in it, and it still works. Wow. But I mean, that for me was the the first sort of introduction to to mobile gaming was that particular um, console. I remember buying that uh, buying the Game Boy off a friend who who had come out here from England when I was in primary school and was going back. And at that stage, I think he wanted to get the first uh, Sega Game Gear or uh, something else that some, something in that offered color. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see how far it's come in in such a short period of time. And now, of course. Consoles don't just face uh, challenges from PC gaming; they face challenges from from mobile gaming. Particularly if you're a casual gamer for whom you know Angry Angry Birds is more your forte than um, these enormous sort of uh, role playing games or first person shooters. Well, I'm, I don't know about that. Like, I know I know mobile gaming is getting big, um, but it, it uh, I've, I've I've been watching the well social gaming really uh, the, the stuff that you get on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and that almost always has like a very high trajectory and then it collapses. Right. Um, right. like, uh, Farmville, uh, and that sort of thing. It, sure, that it is, they have the sort of staying power. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, consoles are just, they're getting bigger, bigger every year. Um, but we are going to get to a point where, um, handheld is just as powerful as what's in your living room. Sure. Um, and that's when, actually, I think that's when, when gaming is going to become a lot more generic. Um, because you'll just have the same sort of thing releasing everywhere and you'll be able to play the same thing everywhere. Right, um, and potentially play on your phone while you're commuting, come home, plug your phone directly into the TV or not even plug it in, just connect to your home network, keep playing the same game, this time though on a larger screen. You know, those sorts of overlaps across platforms. Well, Sony and Nintendo are both doing that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony obviously to a bigger extent because they've got the phones that they can fall back on. Um, and they've just introduced the, the capability now. Um, but even before that, you used to be able to play certain, you can play certain games on Sony's PlayStation Vita. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then when you get home, you'll switch to the same game on the PlayStation 4 and just pick up where you left off. Right. Um, right. and uh, Nintendo's starting to do a very similar thing with the Wii U and the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And Sony's expanding theirs now with the, um, uh, the tablets and the phones where you can stream to. Mm. And then Sony's got one other thing that's on the horizon that we haven't actually seen yet, and it's their own virtual reality headset right. uh, for course. the PlayStation 4. Okay. Um, it's called Project Morpheus at the moment, um, and that'll just use the camera to track you in-game. Um, so right. everybody, everybody's off to virtual reality. That's the, this is the next holy grail of gaming, is it? Yeah. Well, it, it used to be the holy grail of gaming uh, about 15 to 20 years ago. And sure. It, but now, now we're actually seeing it. Uh, you know, in the flesh, so to speak, or yeah, in the plastic. It, it's starting starting to show up in homes, which is, is further than VR got uh, previously. Sure, sure. And, I mean, I find it fascinating that part of this is in in large part due to things like Oculus Rift and that it's crowdfunded, right? It's a case of people really wanting this, someone out there going, well, I'm going to make it if you help me, and then people actually getting involved to, to make these things happen. Yeah, well, crowdfunding's done some very, very cool stuff, um, especially in, on, in terms of gaming. Um, none of which I can bring to mind at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, gaming and tech specifically have had the, uh, the biggest, uh, Kickstarter campaigns, mm. um, in their whole history. I think they, they take all, all of the top three. There's the Pebble, the Oculus Rift, and there was a, a game. Uh, I can't remember. The, but this the is the game. point. I mean, these are the things, and I guess it's also, it speaks to how passionately people feel about this sort of stuff. Anyway, we're going to take another short break. We're coming back afterwards to talk about gadgets, and in particular to talk to Brian Andrew here, who's uh, 
uh, the MD of RS Components, about the new Raspberry Pi. We'll be back shortly. In the meantime, if you want to engage with us, don't forget, uh, you can get us on Twitter, at cliffcentral.com, on Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat ID at cliffcentral, and on youtube.com forward slash cliffcentraltv.
And we're back. Uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon, talking about all things tech, as usual at this time on a Thursday afternoon. My name's Craig Wilson. You can find me on Twitter, at Craig Wilson. Uh, I'm also chatting to uh, Brett Fento, who's the online editor at Stuff Magazine. You can find him on Twitter, at DraconisZA. So we're going to talk today, uh, as we always do around this time, about some of our favorite gadgets of the week. And one in particular, of course, is the Raspberry Pi. Now, there's a new updated model out. This is the Raspberry Pi B+, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And we've got Brian Andrew, who's the GM of RS Components, uh, who's come in today to chat to us about uh, the new Raspberry Pi. And I guess the first question, Ryan, is how many, if you can talk to this, uh, how many have you guys sold? Or how much demand, perhaps in Vega terms, are you seeing for this? Um, well... I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, the demand is huge. I mean, the, the demand has been big just as it was for the original Raspberry Pi. Sure. I think the, the biggest advantage with this one is uh, it was better planned in terms of the launch, so there was a lot of stock available right. when it was launched. Sure, because um, there was huge demand the first time around, but but not the sort of stock to, to service it. Well, yeah, it, it, it killed the stock. There was over 100,000 orders on the first day, and I think they'd only manufactured something like 10,000 boards. Right. In fact, right. that was the expected uh, total uptake. <laughs> wow, it's fantastic so. to see that kind of demand. And it's, I love it when this sort of thing happens, right, when the, the demand completely outstrips even the company's expectations. Now, for those people who are listening who perhaps don't know what a Raspberry Pi is, um, can you explain to us in sort of basic terms uh, uh, what, what it is and what it looks like? Yeah, basically it's a, it's a, a credit Pretty much a credit card-sized computer. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses an ARM processor, um, which is slightly different from your PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, uh, what it is is it's just the board. It comes with a processor. It's got a couple of USB ports and, and connectors that you can connect up to. Basically, either your TV, you just plug in a keyboard and a mouse. Runs on a Linux operating system, and but was mainly developed and, and, and targeted at the education market. Um, right, yeah, so you mean to let to let kids tinker? Basically, yeah, to to get kids to actually start programming and take it back. The founders that actually found the Raspberry Pi Foundation mm-hmm. realized that there was a, a massive shortage of people coming in to study computer science now versus what it was like twenty years ago. Right. You know, when you had the, the guys had the the Sinclair ZX Spectrum computers and that at home playing around with these little things. So by the time they actually got to study computer science, they were actually pretty good at programming already. Right. Versus now when people are coming into computer science, they've got absolutely no ability whatsoever. Right, I guess because now they're using sort of tablets, smartphones at best, but they're not actually getting down to the nuts and bolts of, of yeah. what programming a computer from the ground up entails. Um, what are some of the most common uses you guys are seeing people uh, put the Raspberry Pi to? Oh, I think the sky is really the limit in terms of what one can do with it. And, and it's, it's sort of, it's really gone beyond what, um, you know, the Raspberry Pi Foundation ever expected in terms of the in terms of the computer. I mean, the stuff that it's being used for in terms of, I mean, people are making home brewing kits with it. Um, right, so we hear yeah. about home brewing beer. Yeah, right? people, people <laughs> using it to monitor temperature and the sort of thing. Correct. Okay. Um, people are building it into little robots and that that actually functioning um, robots. Sure. Um, there's actually a, there was a Kickstarter campaign around that as well. Um, where the guys were actually developing the, the actual robot unit and you just plug the Raspberry Pi in and it connects up to various server motors and so on. Right, right. And um, in terms of uh, some of the other uses, I mean, I know I've also seen people using these for media servers. I take it the new model helps with that because you've got things like these USB ports. You've also got an, H- an HDMI out 
which I guess is a, a, a nice standard connection that people can use to, to hook this up to a TV or similar. Yeah, um, the, the HDMI connector is obviously the standard connection. The, the old, the, the, the previous board, the uh, B board, um, used to have an RCA connector as well, but that has mm-hmm. now been scrapped on the B plus board. Um, so they've just kept it with the HDMI connector. Okay. Um, although they have moved and now they've got a composite video connector that runs through the, the, um, 3.5 jack, basically the audio jack. It, uh-huh. it actually doubles up as a composite video connector as well. Right. And that's, that's great too. They're squashing the sort of all of this functionality into something so, so compact. Um, yeah. Uh, what is the, what does the new model cost? Um, you're looking at, uh, just over 500 rand, including that. Right. Um, but again, that is purely the board, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some basic accessories that you would, you, depending on what you want to use, if you want to use it as a computer or as a multimedia center, you'd mostly just get a little case for it or something, mm-hmm. uh, which would maybe set you back around a hundred rand. Okay. Um, but otherwise then you would need a keyboard, a mouse, and obviously the monitor to plug it into, but generally you're plugging it into your TV set anyway. So. Sure. And in terms really of software, um, I mean, obviously this is really just the, the board and the components to start with. Is there any, uh, sort of basic software that people can, can download to, uh, um, to fiddle with it, perhaps yeah. particularly for those who aren't uh, that computer savvy yet, but hope to be. Well, what you can you can buy the operating system. It, it, it runs off an SD card. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the newer version uses a micro SD card, um, so you can buy the SD card with uh, an installation on it already, or you can actually download the operating system directly from the Raspberry Pi Foundation website, and it's free of charge. Okay. So just depending on how you want to go with that. And I see uh, your micro SD cards are getting bigger and bigger. I saw one the other day that was a 128 gig card. Um, what's the limit that the, the new Raspberry Pi B plus can, can handle? Uh, I'm not too sure of the limit on it. I know I've got a 32 gig card, um, on, on the one that I'm using and it runs fine. Sure. Um, and again, from a, from a space, uh, perspective, uh, I think you can run it on as, as little as about a two gig or, or you know, round about there. Right. So you don't have to have a huge card for it. Sure, sure. And this is one of the perks too. I mean, these sorts of things are so uh, cheap and readily available. And the way we're using storage, I think, is, has changed a lot. You know, I have 16 gig in my phone. It's not really a problem unless I get carried away taking too many photos. Uh, my tablet only has 32 gig. Uh, my computer only has 256 gig. Um, so, you know, I think that sort of thing, because we're doing more and more online, things like storage aren't perhaps the problems they used to be. But I imagine you could also plug in uh, an external hard drive using those USB ports. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and, and that's the one of the big advantages for me in terms of the B+. Plus. Uh, the original B only had two USB ports. So generally, you you, sure. you had to get a, a USB hub because, I mean, if you're plugging your mouse and your keyboard in straight away. Those are the two used. Yeah, yeah you've basically yeah. Used, uh, used them up. And if you want to connect to Wi-Fi, you just got to plug a Wi-Fi dongle in. So the new board comes with four USB ports, which actually then gives you your mouse, keyboard, um, a Wi-Fi dongle, and then you can plug in a, a, an external hard drive into the fourth one. Sure, sure. Now, I see that there's, there's, there's something underway uh, at uh, the University of Johannesburg, the Sassel Solar Car Challenge. This is something I actually covered uh, uh, a bit for the news last year, and that's taking place at the end of September. Um, I understand the Raspberry Pi has been used as part of the development of the vehicle. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I don't think they are actually using it in the car. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I think there might be a little bit of misinformation. Okay. Uh, they, they, they do, they do utilize the Raspberry Pis, but, uh, they're not actually being utilized in the vehicle itself. They're using them more on the sort of education side? Yeah, they use them on the education side and then obviously for their own development and that. And obviously being engineering students and that, um, we find that, uh, we've, we've got some partnerships with some of the universities now that are actually starting to utilize the Raspberry Pi and giving it to their first year students. Right. Um, to get them, 
at least the, some level of exposure into programming and, and just messing around mm. um, at that level with a computer. Sure, sure. And now, I mean, if people listening want to get hold of one of these, uh, is there a website they can go to to order it, or where can they find it? Yeah, they can go to our website, um, uh, which is um, rsonline.co.za, um, and basically you can buy it there. Um, you can either collect it. We've got a trade counter in Kalami, which uh, you can come in and actually buy it at the store there itself, mm-hmm. or you can buy it online. Um, there is a, a small delivery charge as well. Um, but but yeah. otherwise, if people are, are Joburg-based, they can just pop they, in. They can pop in there and come and buy it there. Okay. Um, but otherwise, we do deliver countrywide. So. Sure. Brett, I know we were talking a bit about Raspberry Pis before the show. Um, ha- have you fiddled with one at all? Um, I haven't had the uh, pleasure, but there is one sitting next to me here staring at me. As you may. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of inventive things to, to do with it, but mostly I want to try and turn it into a media server first before um, you know, converting it into a weapon of mass destruction or something. <laughs> and now I can't go to America anymore. Right. Well, that's all right. Yeah, we're all on watch lists. Um, yeah, I, I think the media center ones are particularly common use, and I think it's a great use scenario because you've got that nice sort of balance of getting people to tinker a little bit with it in terms of setting it up, but also the fact that here you have a solution that is far cheaper than a lot of the other uh, things on the market. You know, A lot of people use consoles or they use mediators or similar things, and, and this sort of dedicated hardware is great and certainly has its place, but um, you know, I'm all in favor of, of hobbyists having some cheaper alternatives uh, uh, like this uh, with which they can achieve the same sort of ends. I'm actually quite surprised. I'm actually quite surprised that nobody has bought up a whole bunch of Raspberry Pis and started building little custom-made media centers and just reselling them uh, as a like a uh, like a, a pre-built unit. I just I have never seen that. Sure. Well, um, any random entrepreneurs out there, that that's a freebie from Brett. You can have that one and uh, run with it if you like. Yeah, it's fine. I don't have the patience to to build that many Raspberry Pis. Well, and it might uh, cut into your my, might cut into your gaming time, right? Uh, everything cuts into my gaming time. <laughs> right, so life cuts see... into your gaming time. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to come back shortly to talk about the, uh, the, the last segment for today, which will be some apps uh, and other gadgets, as we didn't get to talk about any gadgets in this particular slot. Um, if you want to get hold of us, you can drop us a message on WeChat. Uh, you can find us at Cliff Central. You can also give us a call on 0861-555-189 or on Twitter at CliffCentral.com. I might be anyone, a lone fool out in the sun. Your heartbeat of solid gold, I love you, you'll never know. When the daylight comes, you feel so cold, you know. I'm too afraid of my heart to let you go, waiting for the fire to light, feeling like we could do
Last section of Stuff Central this week on Cliff Central. Uh, we're going to talk about some apps and gadgets. Uh, my name is Craig Wilson. I'm contributing editor at Stuff. In studio with me, I have Brett Fenter, who's the online editor at Stuff Magazine, and Brian Andrew, who's the GM of RS Components. So, uh, looking at some apps this week, I found a really interesting app. Uh, we ran a story on it on stuff.co.za that you can have a look at. Um, it's an app called Somebody, and it takes instant messaging and turns it on its head somewhat. Um, it's created by a woman named Miranda July. She's an artist, a filmmaker, and writer uh, who made a movie in 2005 that did quite well on the indie scene. It picked up some awards at Sundance called Me and You and Everyone We Know. And she's created this app called Somebody um, as part of a sort of art project. And what it does is you sign up for the app and hopefully get other people to do likewise. Um, and then you can send a message to another individual. And what it will do is it will use the GPS functionality that's built into all of our smartphones, and it will try and find another somebody app user who's in the vicinity of the person you want to send the message to. So you can send the message, and you can also include instructions about how the message should be delivered. So whether you should be waving your arms or pretending to cry or something similar. And the idea is that a stranger will then find the person that you're looking to send the message to, introduce themselves, and then deliver your message, but in their own uh, sort of words and with their own interpretation of the actions. Uh, I find this a really, really interesting idea, but maybe that's also because I'm something of an extrovert. I cannot imagine uh, the uh, introverted or shy taking to this. But um, they've set up a lot of uh, somebody hotspots around museums and art galleries and so on, uh, particularly around the U.S. Um, and I'm in the process of trying to set one up here just to see if uh, we can get anyone to nibble. But um, that's my app of the week. Uh, it's available on iOS at the moment only. Um, no idea whether they're going to bring it to, to Android or anything similar. Um, Brett, what's your app of the week? What have you been playing with this week? Well, um, since, I'm do ga- since I do gaming for pretty much everything, I've got an app that turns your entire life into a game. Um, it's called Habit RPG. Um, I was going to say, I thought that already existed in terms of ingress. No, well, it's, uh, well no, that's just uh, augmented reality. This one's, uh, uh, well, it, yeah, augmented reality. Is that's right, ingress. Yeah. Um Then there's uh, games that become your life, which is World of Warcraft. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, Habit RPG turns your daily life into a role-playing game. Um, you will program objectives into the app, mm-hmm. and uh, completing them will give you experience points. Um, so what are, what are some of the sorts of uh, things you can program in? Um, anything. You, it, it's basically just a text-based um, uh, entry system, but uh-huh. it will assign you experience points for, like, say, doing the dishes or walking the dog or something like <laughs> that. Um, and it's supposed to change your habits, but you will also you will lose life points in this app if you do something um, bad, like eat junk food or um, you know forget to uh, put the rubbish out. Yeah, something something along those lines. Right, but this is only, of course, if you're honest and you tell the app that you haven't done these things that well, you if, said you if, would. If you're a gamer, the whole idea of little side quests um, taking over your life, it, it actually makes sense. You're not going to lie about something like that. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's an interesting way to just to just change your habits to try and motivate you to, to do things that you might, be, might have to do but keep forgetting. Sure. Um, uh, because you're off playing another game somewhere, if you've got another game in your life. Right, and as the name suggests, right, perhaps building better habits. Yeah. Um, I see you're, you're playing it with, there, with it there on, a, on an LG, so it's definitely available for Android. Do you know if it's out for any other platforms? Um, it's out for Android and it's out for um, iOS as well. Okay. Um, I know there are a couple of uh, equivalents that might look a little better visually, but uh, I've, I've been uh, quite taken with this one. And so, uh, free, free to download? Uh, completely free, yeah. Okay, and can you tie into other users if you've got friends using the app? Can um, you compare experience points and you try and actually, motivate one another to uh, get off the couch? You can actually. Um, the, it has a chat option, a guild option, so you can um, hook up with like a whole group of friends as if you were going on a raid on World of Warcraft or a similar online game. Um, and, and all do your dishes together. Basically, yeah. <laughs> right. I see. Oh, I love this sort of thing. I think that's great. Um, have a look at that. That's called Habit RPG. And it's out for iOS and Android. So, uh, Brian, we were chatting a little bit uh, in the break about some of the apps you use regularly. Uh, I know we spoke about Evernote, which has certainly become an indispensable part of my life. I, I keep all of my notes and meetings and those sorts of things on it. Um, you were telling me about another one that you're using with a stylus to take notes on the iPad. Uh, what, what's that? Yeah, it's called Notes Plus. Um, I, I find it actually quite phenomenal that I've actually got rid of my, my usual notebook, basically. And does, um, does it just record your sort of strokes, or does it also try and turn them into text like some of the other note-taking um, apps do? They, they do have an in-app purchase um, right. where you can actually convert it to text, not expensive, um, which I've actually got, and it actually works pretty well. So you can actually take a handwritten notes and then just do an automatic text conversion, and it, it's actually pretty accurate. Okay. And, and it's fine with uh, not picking up your wrist on the, uh, on yeah. the handset? I mean, on the uh, display? Yeah, they, they, they've got a, a special function where you can actually almost zoom in and it actually creates a, little, a, a spot for you to actually rest your wrist on. Right, right. Because that's been my challenge with it sometimes is that just the, uh, you know, some of them have been better than others at, at picking up the wrist. Samsung, of course, has done this very well with the uh, stylus uh, options on its note devices um, and sort of planned for this. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of digitizing everything. You know, I uh, used to work as a, uh, a sort of more of a news journalist and, to have to write notes and then type them up seemed insane. So I just took to typing everything. But uh, the, the downside of that, of course, is that now when I leave someone a handwritten note, uh, I think they all assume I'm a doctor because uh, they seem to be pretty illegible. You know, the only thing I really seem to sign anymore ever are uh, security forms for entering and exiting uh, office parks. But other than that, uh, writing really does seem to be a, a dying art for us. So I like to see tablets and, and phone apps that um, keep this alive in some way. 
you know, I wonder really about even teaching children at school. Uh, uh, I'm sure they are still being taught to write, but um, how long before you're forming your A's and B's and C's uh, on a screen and, and not on a piece of full scap, uh, you know, blue faint lined with a, a red margin? Yeah. I don't think it's very far off. No, um, no, indeed. Um, <clears throat> but I think we're using American schools as a benchmark for that. It'll be a while before it gets to South Africa. Sure, it'll be a, a while before it trickles down to the rest of us. Now, mm. we got a message here on uh, WeChat uh, coming back to the discussion we were having earlier about Kickstarter projects. And um, Henri Loebscher says that Star Citizen is a Kickstarter game that's currently under development and that they are sitting on a ton of money. Brett, do you know anything about this uh, this game? Um, yeah, Star Citizen is a obviously a, a space spacefaring game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gone through several different rounds of funding. Um, Kickstarter was one of them. Um, I think they had some other other crowdfunding campaigns, and then there was a bunch of uh, venture capitalism that. Uh, uh, they've just poured a massive amount of money into what is supposed to be one of the most ambitious games to ever hit. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it. haven't had a chance to really see it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if all goes as promised, it's it's going to be it's it's just something unseen in the gaming world. And I mean, the whole project is done by uh, Chris Roberts of um, Wing Commander fame. So there's a, a big name behind it. Uh, and we've seen what, recently what big names can do for projects with that uh, Pono music player. Yes, yeah. Um, that was uh, Neil Young. I think it was Neil That's Young. That's right, yeah. It, this was the idea to have really high-fidelity high, high fidelity audio, like um, uncompressed FLAC files or AAC or something similar, in a an iPod-like player. Yeah. And just having the big name behind it, they hit their funding target quickly. Um, and it's, it's coming out next year um, uh-huh. uh, for... Very, very high fidelity music. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a little unconvinced, but I think that's just because I want the convenience factor. I'm, I'm less concerned about audio quality and more concerned about uh, whether or not I can fit all of it on my phone. But, yeah, I mean, this is exactly it. The power of crowdfunding, people get involved. Uh, if you can get a big name behind it, you can really turn these projects from dreams into reality in really, really short order. And I think that's one of the best things about the, the world we find ourselves in today. Especially for cooler boxes just lately. Especially for cooler boxes. Um, well, that's about all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, don't forget, uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com, or you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and WeChat uh, at cliffcentral, and you can give us a call on 861 189 We'll be back around the same time next week talking apps and gadgets and with some in-studio guests. Uh, until then, have a great week. I'm Craig Wilson. Cheers.